Today on the Talent Cast, I reveal who's really in charge of your entire recruitment marketing strategy. Spoiler alert, it's not you. We'll be right back. Hello, and welcome to the Talent Cast. I'm your host, James Ellis. We're here to talk about employer branding and talent acquisition, talent recruitment marketing at some fairly deep levels. We're not here to pitch books. We're not here to pitch software. This is a 100% pitch-free zone. We're here to go back to first principles and really think through what it's going to take for you to be better at employer brand and talent acquisition, for you to win the war for talent. Yes, that's a bad metaphor. Yes, people shouldn't say it. Yes, it's also my Twitter handle, so I can't help you. This will not be your standard podcast. This will be a little goofy, a little weird, a little bit of me. Hopefully, you're going to learn something from it. If you like it, please tell people. Uh, if you like it a lot, review us on iTunes and Google Play. Otherwise, you can hear, learn more about us or talk to us directly on Twitter, again, at The War for Talent, or just go to our website, thetalentcast.com. So that having been said, here's the show. Hey, how you doing? James Ellis here. So quick housekeeping before we jump into the rest of the podcast. If you uh, enjoy this sort of thing, if you enjoy the podcast and you know me rambling on, uh, I'm going to be on the Strong Suit podcast. Jeff Hyman uh, interviewed me uh, just a couple days ago, so I don't know when it's rolling out, but keep an eye on that. If you don't listen to Strong Suit, you don't have to live in Chicago just because he lives in Chicago and I live in Chicago and he interviews some people who are in Chicago. It is not a Chicago podcast. It is a pretty darn solid uh, overall 360 perspective on the recruiting marketplace, uh, talking to execs and talking to recruiters and talking to all sorts of smart people. It's a, it's, a, it's a fantastic podcast. You should definitely listen to it. Um, but, you know, if for no other reason, then you get to hear me. Wow, this got weird in a hurry. Anyway, uh, who's in charge of your uh, recruitment strategy? Really? No, who's in charge? If, 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 if I said, here's 20 bucks or 100 bucks, depending on the economy, um, who's in charge? Is it you? Is it your boss? Is it your um, lead recruiter? Is it your director of talent acquisition or your chief people officer or your chief human resources officer? Well, no, it's none of those people. It really isn't. Um, and let me reveal why. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me ask you a quick question. If I were to survey everyone within the sound of this recorded voice and I said, go to your job site, go to your career site, whatever you're calling it today, and I want you to go find a random job description. Go find it. I'll wait. Not really. Uh, but go look at it. And you look at it, and there at the bottom is the almighty CTA, the call to action, right? Really, honestly, you should think of it with, with the operatic voice. You should say, every time you see that button, you should think of it as the call to action, right? Because that's everything you're doing, your, your Snapchat, your video, your, your content marketing strategies, all this stuff leads to this instant where someone clicks on that a button, that call to action. This is the moment. The, the, the heavens open up and the, sh the sun shines down upon that person ready to click that call to action. And I have one simple question. What does it say? What does that button say? What is your call to action? Now, I can't actually survey you because, you know, no time, space, continuum rips for me to actually talk to you directly and record it and then talk to you later. It doesn't work that way. But I would bet, and I, yeah, I'll even put the money down. I got 20 bucks in my pocket somewhere that says 80% of the people who are listening have a button that says apply. It's, I, I, I feel pretty confident about that. Yeah, yeah, I feel pretty confident. In fact, I'll put the $20 on the table right now. Bring me, show me, show me that your button does not say apply. And I'm gonna say yes, occasionally they don't say apply, but almost always they say apply. And I tell you this, I, I bring this up because there's a simple idea. 
Where else do you see an apply button? Let's do a quick mental survey. Let's go around the web and see where do you see the apply button? You see it when you are applying for a country club or you're applying to an organization where um, you would like to be considered. Um, you, where else do you see it? You apply for a loan where you ask people, where you ask a bank or a bank-like financial institution to consider you for giving you a good deal of money to buy a car or house or whatever the heck you need money for. Uh, where else do you see an apply button? These are, the play, these are the kinds of places you see an apply button. Places in which the person who is applying, the so-called applicant, has very little power in this process. You can envision them in, an, in a, in a Dickinson-like moment where they say, please, sir, can I have a loan? And I'm, I'm literally holding my hands like a, in, a, in a bowl motion like Oliver in the movie, which, by the way, is my middle name namesake, so I feel completely comfortable doing that. Don't ask me questions about it. Um, you know, please, sir, can I be in your country club? Please, sir, can I have some money? Please, sir, can I have a job? And I think that is the worst idea in the world. <laughs> That's a horrible idea. How many of you, their recruiting's biggest problem is that you, let me rephrase this. Let me, let me rethink this one. How many of you think that your biggest recruiting problem is that you can't get people to apply? And how many of you think the biggest problem is that the people who apply are crap? It's probably the latter. It's probably that the people who do apply aren't qualified for the job or they're not exactly what you're looking for or you're looking for a purple squirrel and just not meeting all the qual criteria qualifications or they're not meeting the requirements or that you have a dev job and a million crappy devs are out there, people who have been fired from every other job they've ever had or they just got, they're, they're 22 years old and they just graduated college or they just got out of that boot camp and they're applying for that senior role and you're like, there's no way. There's no way. And yet, the entire process is structured around this apply button that says, please, sir, can I have a job? And I apologize for the sir, but I'm going with this Dickinson uh, Oliver joke, so just kind of roll. It's not gender specific. Um, just bear with me, I guess. Um, please, sir, can I have a job? And the answer is, as every recruiter knows, the truth of the matter is, please, sir, will you apply for this job? <laughs> You seem very qualified. Would you please apply for the job? Anybody who's qualified for the job knows their value. Thus, they are not in a position of weakness like you are at a bank or like you are at a country club where you're begging for admission, where you're begging for an opportunity, where you're begging to get considered for money. No. The candidate has all the power. All the power. You need that candidate a lot more then the candidate needs you because there are plenty of other places where that candidate who is a value can get that job. Now, I'm not talking about places where you need someone just to you know, put things back on shelves and places where you need someone to run a cash register or some places where you need to run a warehouse. It's a little different model there. That's a very transactional model. And the apply button makes a lot of sense there. What's happened, I think, in most companies is that statistically, or really more numerically, when they think about who are they building their career site for, they think about the number of people rather than the value of people. Thus, they're saying, well, I have 1,000 warehouse jobs and 100 developer jobs. There's 10 times more warehouse jobs than there are developer jobs. Thus, we should de design the entire system around the warehouse jobs because that's numerically where we have the most action. However, the warehouse jobs for the most part are fairly transactional. You can move them in and out. A great warehouse person is only incrementally, drives incrementally more value than a mediocre warehouse person. That's not the case on the developer side. On the developer side, 
an incredibly good developer is exponentially better than a mediocre developer, right? You would you would pay your eye teeth for a great developer, or at least certainly your leadership would, and they and they certainly do. When the great when the great developer walks in and has their own set of salary bonus structure, chances are you listen. You consider that offer far more, that consider that possibility far more than when the warehouse person walks in and says, no, this is when I want to get paid, and this is when my bonus gets structured. You don't listen to that person. You say, you know, there's a lot of other people. We can interchange that. This is a transactional job. But your entire career system, your, your entire ecosystem is gauged around this call to action that says apply. Beg me for a job. Dance, peasant, dance. Right? Apply. Apply. You apply for a credit card. You do not apply for a change in life in a job. You do not You do not apply for a mission. You do not apply for an opportunity. You apply for a financial transaction. And to boil this job that you or your recruiters are desperate to fill to a financial transaction guts everything you say you're good at. Yeah, I said it. So who's really in charge of your career site? Well, actually, it's not your apply button. It's what's behind the apply button. It's the infrastructure behind the apply button that said, you know what? You better build this system around the numerical superior warehouse transactional model of hiring instead of the far more valuable, lucrative, useful, exciting, and interesting relationship model of hiring that's actually going to hire the people who matter to this company. Who's in charge of your ecosystem? Who's in charge of your recruitment strategy? Your ATS. Yes, that's right. Your application tracking system is in charge. You are a mere cog in the ATS's world. Think of all the different things you would love to do in your recruitment model, but your ATS won't let you. Your ATS, which probably hasn't been touched from a code standpoint in any real level since 1988, uh, is in charge. Even the new ones, even the quote-unquote modern ones, they're not designed around recruiting. They're designed around transactional. They're designed to get people to click the button that says apply. Your call to action is no glorious, you know, uh, sun from the heavens. It's a click this button and maybe we'll consider your application here as a coupon. That's what your apply button feels like. Hey, spend half an hour of your life uploading a resume and then retyping it because we do a really crap job parsing your resume. Even we do an okay job, we're still going to ask you questions directly on the resume that any idiot can read. But the ATS is a simple little, you know, upload device so we can't figure it out so go ahead and just fill this form out because if you don't we won't consider your application thank you that's your ATS speaking by the way if your ATS had a voice it would be like this I am not a human I have no emotions I don't really care in fact I pretty much don't give a rat's ass because frankly the company that I'm doing the software for is one of a thousand companies I'm doing this for because this is enterprise version software and I'm not making a change for any one individual company no one company is more important than the entire ATS all hail the Borg yeah, Star Trek reference. What are you going to do? <laughs> I swear I'm not drunk. And it's only my third cup of coffee, of which I will now sip. Hey, uh, just interrupting myself for just a second, just to remind you that because this podcast has made me extraordinarily wealthy, there's really nothing you can do. You don't have to buy anything. You don't have to make any commercials or anything. You do not have to donate anything at all to keep this podcast going. Again, wealthy beyond my wildest dreams. Thank you all. I appreciate it. All you can do to help me make this podcast even better somehow 
is to review us on iTunes and Google Play and other places that you review and share podcast information. That's all you got to do. Leave some stars, leave a review, whatever you got to do. We really appreciate it. It's what keeps us going. Thanks to the people who've done it already, but keep them coming. We really do, like I said, we really do appreciate that. That's all I had to say. Again, I want to stop interrupting myself to bring you the amazing voices of me. Bye. So yeah, surprise, you're not in charge. Your ATS is. Your ATS vendor determines your entire ecosystem. Your ATS vendor is in charge of what is easy to do and what is incredibly difficult to do. Let's take an ERP program, right? Your employee referral program. Everybody knows and is 100% right about the fact that employee referrals are the best place to find new, new potential hires. They're the best hires. They're useful hires. They're fast hires. They know the company already. They have someone on the inside who can explain to them the stuff that the recruiters may not be able to. If, the, if you, that employee has a positive impression, the applicant has a positive impression. That candidate has a, please scratch it from the record that I said applicant, the candidate. We should all stop talking about the applicant. Shame on me. Shame on me. Yes, I just smacked my, 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 the back of my neck. Don't worry about it. I'm okay. Um, yeah, that's what this is all about. This is about making sure you're, let's talk about employee referrals. Your employee referrals are so valuable that there are plenty of companies who do nothing but charge you money to make it easy for the employees to referral people. Now, does pretty much every ATS in the world offer a very simple employee referral program? Yeah, pretty much. Are any of them any good? No. They're all horrible. They're all grafted, glommed on tools that someone stuck on infrastructure and code, again, designed first in 1988 probably, that doesn't make any sense, that doesn't relate to the real world in any way, shape, or form, and certainly isn't about the modern recruiting relationship world that you want to embrace. Every podcast I do, everybody else's podcast, everybody else's article, go to Recruiting Daily and ERE and all those places. They all say the same thing. It's got to be about building relationships. We got to get avoid this transactional model. It's all about creating connections and leverage all these tools. And your ATS goes, "Good luck, have fun, because I'm not helping you." Because your ATS don't care. Your ATS is the thing that they've convinced you that you have to pay for year after year after year after year, regardless of the fact that every year they launch a whole bunch of new features. No, they don't. That are really, really great. No, they aren't. Um, and they charge you out the wazoo for it. And they know they don't have to move. They don't have to change very much. Why? Because it takes two to three years for you to swap out an ATS. You're stuck. You want to change ATSs? You have effectively lost a year of your budget and your time and your evolution to change a platform, which on the outside, no one will notice. Man, that does not sound like a great pitch to your boss. Does it? Does that sound like something you want to pitch to your boss? It doesn't sound like something I want to pitch to my boss. So what do we do? We take our, S our ATS and go, fine, what can we do? And you figure out how to launch an ERP system that kind of works. It's not smooth. It's not easy. It's not great. It's not slick. It's not making anybody happy. That includes the candidate, the employee, or the recruiter. No one is happy with this solution. No one. No one is happy with the ATS. And yet, there it is. Unchanging, simple, straightforward, overly complex, messy, a pain to work with, probably slow. And there you are. 
and it is in charge. It determines what features you're allowed to use in your recruitment process. Now, I'm not saying it's it's in charge of your recruitment, all of your recruitment marketing. It's not. It doesn't necessarily have to connect to Facebook. And frankly, it shouldn't because the ATS's job is to hold jobs and to track applicants. It says it right there in the title. And frankly, if you're using Facebook just to push jobs, well, you're using Facebook wrong, and that's a whole other podcast, isn't it? So it's not really in charge of your recruitment marketing strategy. It's just in charge of your recruiting strategy and your process and how able you and your recruiters are able to connect with candidates and move them through a process. The only thing that has kept this whole thing afloat is the fact that no one does this well. There is no gold star. There's no brass ring for us to reach out. I'm sorry, I shouldn't say brass ring because that's the name of an actual ATS, isn't it? Um, and I, as it came out of my mouth, I went, whoops, because <laughs> I don't want to name any ATSs by name because they're all atrocious. There's no winners. There's no good ones. It's just like no one likes their cable company. Nobody likes their airline. I don't care what so, you know. a handful of people say, oh, I like this airline. I'm like, no, you do until the moment they lose your luggage and then you hate it. There's no, so it's, it's a messy process. No one likes their ATS. No one's truly in love with their ATS. The only people who are in love with their ATS is, and I met someone like this once, is the person who just got a new ATS. And the ATS company is all over them. They love hanging out. They love showing off new features. They love monthly conversations where they talk about this new feature rollout and that new feature rollout. And they're always there. And they always answer the phone when someone calls. And they're there to fix stuff until the ATS is launched. And then they disappear. And the person who was in love with a brand spanking new ATS realizes, hoodwinked, just like every other ATS, you got sold an ATS and no ATS is good. Simple as that. They're all roughly equally bad. Yes, they're equally bad in slightly different ways and some are better than uh, thing, certain things than others. But in the end, they're all old software and they're all old process and they're all transactional models. That's what they're there for. They're there for the warehouse worker. They're there for the 1970s and 1980s world of you will apply for a job because I have the job, bow down and kneel before me kind of model of recruiting. A world that makes that no one here recognizes because that's not our world anymore. Right now we are kowtowing and desperate to grab the attention of great applicants that frankly, if you rolled up all your ATS costs and your recruitment marketing costs and just said, look, for everybody you think is going to be an amazing hire, just buy a plane ticket, fly to their house with a cake, and said, you know what? I just want you to talk to me. I just want to have a conversation. And cost, and probably be cost-effective. Individual plane trips for your recruiters. I, I don't think you lose. <laughs> if you lose, you lose not much, but you certainly are hiring a lot more great talent, so you win on the back end. Yeah, it makes it really hard to hire your warehouse workers, but was that really your biggest problem? And if it was, is your ATS solving that problem? No, no, it's not. So your ATS is in charge. Your ATS determines what you're allowed to do and what you're not allowed to do, what is easy to do and what is almost so hard that you just say, forget it, fine. I will live without that feature. I will live without that world. Your ATS is in charge. And it shows up in the fact that everybody's button says apply. Everybody's call to action says apply. And the fact that your call to action says apply. Those two things should not be together. Your call to action should be something like, we really want to have a conversation with you. We'd love to hear what you're up to. Wouldn't that be an amazing world in which you show someone a job description or you talk about a job and at the end of it you say, we love to show you something super cool about this job. Click this button to learn that super cool thing about this job. And it didn't take to an apply process. It just took you to give me your email address and your name and I don't know, maybe your LinkedIn profile because let's be fair, everybody's on LinkedIn and we're good. 
and then you send them something cool, an ebook, a video, a case study, a, a whatever, who cares? And your recruiter gets that lead and they look them up on LinkedIn and they go, wow, this person's super cool. Now, having said, wow, that person's super cool, the game is on because you're in a good position. You have just delivered something of value to your candidate so they have a positive impression of you and it's not just here, bow down before the apply button. It's here, here's something you might find useful and helpful in your real life. Heck, make it education, make it a, a learning module, make it a class, make it a certification process. Give them a free piece of software. Give them a tool that makes their world or life a little bit easier. Heck, give them a choice of which one of all those 10 ideas they want and they can pick. You are now the provider of value. In the world of reciprocity, where reciprocity drives action, that is, if I give you something, you are far more likely to give me something, not just because it's a transaction, but because you feel obligated to give back. That's why, by the way, the charities send those uh, address labels, those pre-written address labels to you, and then say, look, you know, these are free. Use your address labels. But you will feel guilty as sin every time you use one when you didn't donate to us. So go ahead and donate to us. That's reciprocity right there. Robert, no, Dr. Robert Cialdini, Robert? I think it's Robert. Robert Cialdini out of Arizona State. Read all of his books. They're fantastic. Persuasion is the most recent one. Fantastic stuff. I'll put it in the show notes. But reciprocity, you give them something of value first, not when they justify it, not when they show they're worthy of it. You give up good stuff for free. And you know what? They fall in love with you. And then you know what? They actually talk to your recruiter. I know it's crazy. It's just too crazy. But it's so crazy, it might actually work. And let's be fair. If you have their LinkedIn profile, you have almost everything you need in a resume. And if you need more, you know what you do? You ask for the resume. Simple as that. Take it to the other side. Take it to the other world. You know that consumer sales world, the consumer sales and marketing world. They don't say, would you like a taco? Apply here. They don't do that. They make it as easy as humanly possible for you to put a dollar down to get a taco. In enterprise computing, yes, they're going to validate you. They're going to make sure that you're a company that can afford their product, but they're not going to make you jump through hurdles. They're going to do research. When you say you work for company X, the first thing a salesperson does is go on Google and Hoover's and all sorts of other research tools and says, who is this company? Oh, look, they're a Fortune 1000 company. Oh, look, last year's profits were blah, blah, blah million. Oh, look, I think they can value, they can use our software because they can pay for it. Fantastic, let's have a conversation. Oh, look, I figured out based on uh, LinkedIn and Salesforce and a couple other tools what their organizational structure is. Look, I did that research on my own because I get a big bonus when I sell this thing. I'm gonna do the work. The recruiters, want to do that work, but they're waiting at the bottom of a funnel in which candidates are forced to do all that work for them and feel really mad. Here, here is my experience, which by the way, you can find on LinkedIn. Here, here is my education, which by the way, you can find on LinkedIn. Here, here is my phone number, which you're never gonna use until we actually have a conversation. You want my fax number? Good Lord. Here, here is my whatever it is. Here is my list of clubs I belong to, which by the way, you can find on LinkedIn. Here, I, here, I, yes, it's on my resume. Here, here it is. If you, let's say you're at a party and you bumped into somebody who says, yeah, I'm a lead data scientist at blah, 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 blah. We're doing amazing work, but I feel like I'm stagnating and I like a new challenge. The, if you're a recruiter, you, your first thought is not, 
here, here's my card. Don't use it. Go to a website and apply, and I'll go wait for your resume. I'll go wait for your application to come through, and then I'll talk to you. You'd get fired in a heartbeat if you said that. In a heartbeat. No recruitment manager would, worth their salt would say, yeah, that's okay. No, you're done. You are done. Get out. Here's a box. Pack up your stuff. Adios, muchachos. Or muchachas, I don't know. That's crazy. What do you do in that situation? You say, hey, here's my card. This is me. What's your LinkedIn profile? Let me go talk. Let me go look. Let me have some, do a little research on you. Let me see if there's a, a space where perhaps we can, you know, I can make your life a little easier. Remember, recruiters are salespeople and amazing salespeople when given the opportunity. But when you force all their candidates to go through a rigmarole that seems to be have no value, it drives them up the wall. You know what I hate? I hate when I have to call my credit card company and they make me plug in my 16-digit credit card number and pound sign at the end. And then they make me plug in my zip code and pound sign at the end. And they make me plug in my last four digits of my social security number and pound at the end. And they take me to an uh, 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 operator. And the operator says, okay, can I give the last four digits of your credit card? Didn't I just give that to you? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? How is this automated? How does this work? It's crazy town. And that's what we ask every candidate. And I say we, I mean everybody asks every candidate that. The only reason any of us are ever able to apply or hire anybody is because everybody else's application process is just as bad. Why? ATSs. We force people through that corridor. We say, regardless of how incredibly valuable you are, you have to walk through the gauntlet of hell called the ATS. And I think that's my tweet, by the way. James Ellis calls ATSs a gauntlet of hell for candidates. Matt Charney will be all over that post in a heartbeat. He will retweet that. Guaranteed. I say it right here, right now. Um, yeah, you don't do that. That's crazy. So what do we do now that we know that their ATS is in charge? How do you fire an ATS? Well, sadly, that's tough. There's no obvious way to do that because the truth is you do need to manage huge numbers of people if you've got a warehouse, if you've got transactional jobs that you have to fill, customer service, cash register people, uh, whatever, filers, whoever, people who don't really need a lot of relationship before they say yes to take a job. Have I mentioned the coffee's good? The coffee's good. You have to have that system because otherwise your recruiters who are desperate to sell on a relationship level will be overwhelmed by having to do relationship-driven recruiting for a warehouse worker. That's You can't just walk away from that. But I think we need to talk to legal and HR and say, look, I know you've been in charge of this process by making us add every single question, every single qualifi qualification, and all these, you know, pre-qualifying questions to the re to the application process, and you know you have to jump through all these hoops. And I get EOE, and I get the need to say that you are or aren't a protected disabled veteran, or you are a protected class or whatnot. Um, you know, all the, the the four questions at the end of every application that you said they're going. There's got to be a way to just say, look, dude, I am this, and just apply, or, or maybe ask later something or do it in a way that doesn't feel like why do i have to do that via four separate pages oh oh you know the answer to that ats ats is making you do that so regardless of how streamlined your process is legally when you have to ask what race and creed and uh, disabled or veteran or whatever those protected classes need to be and however you word it they have to come with 14 pages of, of qualifications and they have to be on individual pages and it makes whatever streamlined process seem like oh yeah great the meal was fantastic but at the end of the meal there was a fly in my ice cream so therefore their meal stunk 
it ruins the entire feeling of the application process. So even if you've moved heaven and earth to make your ATS work better, the thing you have to do at the end with protected classes kills whatever intention you had to, and thus you throw up your hands and go, why did I even bother? And the ATS owns you. So what do you do? Well, I think the easiest way, oh man, there's that word easy, which is something you should, people only use that word easy when they're talking about other people, right? <laughs> they never talk about their own work as easy. They talk about other people's job. Ah, should be easy to fix that, he says about the plumber who's about to charge him $4,000 for the work. Ah, no problem. That's an, that's, an, that's an easy move. And that's going to what rips up the wall. So what is the easiest possible solution to this? Well, sadly, it's two systems because the ATS is actually working for a transactional model. The ATS is actually optimized for a transactional world. And for many, many jobs, transactional is exactly what you'd call that job. Thus, leave it alone. I mean, simplify it at all costs, make it mobile friendly so that people who are warehouse workers who don't have laptops and desktops and apply via mobile phone, make it so that they can apply in five or six clicks and a couple of buttons and a couple of uh, fields, super, super simple, because you don't need uh, 10 years worth of job history or 10 jobs worth of history and in, in all the educations back to high school necessarily to decide to hire a warehouse person. Uh, besides, you're going to do a background check anyway, right? Um, so streamline that as humanly as, po as much as humanly possible. But in the end, for everybody else, for every job that you would consider a relational job, think CRM. No, think ATS. But James, I thought an ATS is a CRM. Ah, ha, ha. That's what ATSs want you to think. But they're not right. They're not true. Trust me, go to Salesforce or any other big old CRM and ask and look at how that system works. And it is designed to make it easy for you to find information and input information. How many of you would say that your ATS is designed to make it easy to input and find information? No? Shocking. There we are. There is your litmus test. ATSs are not CRMs. Your CRMs are all about understanding not that I want you to bow before the apply now button, but that a relationship takes time. It is a process. You do not walk up to a person of the opposite sex and say, would you like to marry me? If so, apply now, which by the way is your career site in a nutshell. What you do is say, hey, I think you're interesting. Can we go get a drink of coffee or something or, or maybe something stronger? I don't know what you're up to. Um, what, what's your schedule look like? And you go on that tiny little coffee drink date. It's two hours of chit chat. You laugh. You know, you reveal a little something about yourself and then you go your separate ways and you say, that was fun. And you wait two or three days and you say, hey, really had a lot of fun. Would you like to go get some dinner? And the dinner's four hours. At the end, maybe somebody gets kissed. Hey, good for you. And two or three days later, or maybe the next day, because that date went so well, you say, you know what? Had a great time. I would love, can I take you to my favorite place over here and go to this restaurant and maybe see a movie or something? Or maybe not. Um, and they say yes. And you do the thing and suddenly maybe good things happen and things go really, really well, and a year later you move in, and two years after that you get married. That's a three-year process. But your career site says, I got three questions for you. <laughs> Can you do this job? Will you do this job? Will you apply now? Atrocious. It's a train wreck. So your CRM is designed around the idea that relationships take time to develop, and so do your relationships. So thus, build a system for all your relationship-driven stuff that isn't all about ABC always be closing, it's about always be building relationships, which is ABB, ABBR, which is fine. I mean, I can't see, you know, uh, um, 
I can't see it from a Glengarry Glen Ross kind of model. It doesn't really sound great um, coming out of Alec, Alec Baldwin's mouth. But, you know, ABBBR, always be building relationships. And there isn't a headhunter or executive recruiter or technical recruiter who would go have a problem with that statement. Always be building relationships because you never know. You never know. This one might not work out, but their friend might be amazing. And if you've built a good relationship with this one, their friend's going to come right along. It's all about building relationships. Thus, your ecosystem needs to be time and relationship driven, focused. So start with a lead. Okay, you're a recruitment marketer, so you don't know what a lead is. Hmm, okay, that's fair enough. A lead is a name and an email address. You know who they are. And with that, you can probably tease out more information. Like for example, their LinkedIn address, maybe where they work currently, what their job titles are. And even if their LinkedIn isn't, you know, all-star level like yours and mine, uh, you can still tease out a lot of basics, what they spend their time doing. If you're looking for a developer and this person is a librarian, you understand, ah, okay, this lead is not really qualified. <laughs> it's not a well-qualified lead. I'm going to back burner them. I'm just going to kind of send them some information as I have them and maybe something turns up. Maybe somebody needs a librarian or somebody needs someone with some librarian experience or in the process of building a relationship, it turns out this person's been developing uh, stuff on the uh, freelance and not putting on LinkedIn. No one had any idea. Suddenly they're valuable to you and you would never have found that unless you built the relationship. So everything's got to be about starting with a lead, the small lead, just the least amount of information. You know, the kind of stuff that's on a business card. That's all. That's all. That's where a lead. That is the seed from which great plants spawn. Start with the lead, and then you warm them up. You warm up that lead. You find out whether they're qualified, and you warm them up. You send them an article. You send them a blog post. You ask them a question. You say, hey, look, we got an ebook. Is this the sort of thing you're into, or what are you doing here? Or, hey, what's the job? Hey, can I... Hey, can we have a quick phone conversation? I'd like to know more about this job over here because I think there might be an opportunity, but I want to make sure because I don't want to put you in front of anybody that you wouldn't fall in love with. So I need to get to know you. And you have a 15 or 30 minute phone call and you get to know them. And at the end of it, you send them another article that said, oh, you know, that conversation made me think of this. Maybe you dig this. Hey, if, if I had to ask, what are the top five companies you would love to work for? You know what? That's a relationship. And it may take months if not years for that to close that deal but you know what you're closing that deal and man do they like you and you know what you're closing that deal later and you're closing that deal with their friends and that is the world of recruiting today is it not it's building relationships and your ats again forcing you to bow down to the apply now button which you now hate i hope as much as i do is killing it so there you go i hate your apply button congratulations episode 37 um, oh yeah, one other piece of housekeeping I forgot to tell you. I showed up in Recruiting Daily this week, which for you is probably last week or the week after. Um, fun article about how to pick technology, and there might be some more articles coming out because I'm doing a lot of writing in between blog posting, in between day jobs, and in between raising kids and you know life. So been busy. Uh, go find it. I'll put it in uh, the show notes so you can find it. Other enjoy it. Otherwise, if you would like to say hello or complain or if you're an ATS company who would like to sue me into the ground, my Twitter account is at the War for Talent. My LinkedIn is Salt Lab. You can go find that. Uh, the podcast is thetalentcast.com. If you would like me to speak, I, by the way, am presenting somewhere in Vegas in December, which is kind of a cool thing. And I'm also going to be at Social Media, Social Media Strategy, so Social Recruiting Strategies Conference in San Francisco in February. This is all off the top of my head. If any of this is wrong, blame me, not them. 
so if you're in the area, come find me. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm considering trying to live podcast from one of those events. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, otherwise, hit me up if you have questions. Leave a review, all that good stuff. Thanks so much for listening. It's 37 episodes. It kind of feels like it's been a while, but it's starting to click again. This is fantastic. I, I, I was worried that I would not be able to keep this going, but man, I love doing this. So thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it. Tell your friends, all that good stuff. Have a great week. I'll talk to you next week. Bye.